Here's the deal. We're going to get real for the next few minutes. I know you guys come here. It's Easter. Some of you look amazing. You look beautiful. I love, I saw my little, little nephew earlier. He's got a sweet little vest and a bow tie on. Um, so I, I love Easter. But since my life has changed literally several years back, I am this excited all the time. Now it may not show it. I don't get dressed up and go buy a new shirt. I bought this new shirt for Easter. My wife did actually. But I am this excited about what God has done and I want all the time. And so I've been praying, we've been praying. I haven't preached much over the last several weeks and, and I've been praying for like this week and I said, God, what, what is it you want to share? And I know that you all come in here and you have an expectation of what you're going to get here on Easter Sunday. I bet you the extroverts in the room could probably come up here and preach an Easter message. But as I pray, like, God, what am I going to say to them? And he said, Scott, don't give them what they expect. But give them what they need. And so we're going to get at the end of this thing. We're going to get to the cross. We're going to get to the empty tomb. We're going to get to the death of Jesus. We're going to get there. And that's what Easter is all about, right? That's what we're here for today. That's what we're going to be here for tomorrow as well. I want to just say this to lay the groundwork. If it's true, and I think the reason we're here today is because we believe it's true, that there was a man by the name of Jesus who was born of a virgin, sent by God as the Savior of the world, who died, and we all believe that. And if we believe that, then we have to believe that he also came back to life. He rose. And if we believe that, then we have to believe the fact that he also ascended into heaven. And if we believe that, then we've got to also believe that he sent us the Holy Spirit. And so that, my friends, tells me why we should be passionate why we should literally be some of the most powerful, life-changing people on planet Earth. And that's not just to be celebrated one time a year. So what keeps us? Like literally, what keeps us from living that out 365 days a year? Hopefully there's going to be a lot of introspective thinking. There's going to be some self-examination in this place. We've been here. Worship team gets here early. We've prayed. We've prayed for realness. We've prayed for genuineness. We've prayed for honesty in this place today. And so you're going to see a couple of things pop up on the screen back here. The first being this one little statement. And I think it make, is a part of the answer to why do we not live this excitement out 365 days a year? And I believe part of the answer is because the void in life is a reality. I truly believe that there's many of us good-hearted people sitting right here in this room. And we know beyond a shadow of a doubt there's a void in life. Whether you want to admit it or not, 
whether you know it or not. Whether you want to accept it or not. There is many of us in this room. And there's just a void. But can I tell you something? That's how God created us. God created us to be spiritually hungry people. What do I mean by that? It sounds like a lot of church jargon there. What do you mean by he created us to be spiritually hungry people? This is what I mean. God created a void in our life that is only going to be filled by him and him alone. I'm not a scholar by any stretch. I'm, I'm really, I have people praying for my wisdom and knowledge to be divine from on high. I don't really know other than I ran across this quote earlier. It's a Frenchman. I think he's French. I think that's what it is. But excuse some of the language in it because it's not the way I talk. But in the 1600s, this is how they wrote and talk. And as it was transcribed into English, this is how it came out. A man by the name of Blaise Pascal, and that's the English version of his name, Blaise Pascal. Some of you have probably read his works. He says it much more eloquently than I, and I just am going to read it to you. I trust that you can read. But he says this, what else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim? But there was once in a man a true happiness of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace. This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there, the help he cannot find in those that are. Though now, though none can help, Since this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable, which means never changing object. In other words, this void can only be filled by God himself. If you have a Bible or phone, it'll be on the screen, but I have... One simple verse that I want to hang on for just the next few minutes. Comes from Matthew chapter 5. It's from the Sermon on the Mount. Phenomenal, phenomenal, beautiful location. We've been to there in Israel. We spent a couple of minutes there and we walked around. Now they've beautified this place and made it this lush, nice garden is kind of place. And so we've stand and we've stood and we've sat and we've meditated, we've prayed in the very place where Jesus spoke these words. And it's in Matthew 5, the sixth verse that Jesus says this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Guys, God created us with a void that only he is going to ever fully fulfill. And so I know that there are more than two, but for time's sake this morning, I came up with two, I think, distractions, I came up with two antagonists 
I came up with two things that I think are dominating many people's lives, even good, godly Christian lives in the day and age that we live in. Two things that are pulling at us, keeping this void a void, and thus many of us walk around here knowing there is a void and not knowing what to do with it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you will be filled. The first is this. We, good, godly Christian people, we're obese on stuff. We're obese on stuff. And I don't even need to break this down any further because as soon as you read that, you and your mind immediately went to the stuff that you are becoming obese on. We're trying to fill the void. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst from things made by man. For they will be filled. No. That sentence would read this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for things made by man and of this world. For you will starve to death. I told you. A time for us to be honest with ourselves. Getting so big on everything that this world has to offer. And we have been so lied to that we think that those things are truly gratifying us. And so we grab a hold of as much stuff as we can and we try to put it into the void. And guess what? The enemy is so crafty that for just a minute moment, for a very small fraction of time, that stuff actually makes us feel full. But what it's actually doing is it's causing us to hunger for more and more and more. Until we're so full. I have a good friend who is making a living renting out storage spaces for people who have become obese on so much stuff. I rent one of those, by the way. He would love for me to give him a plug right now, wouldn't he? I'm not going to do it. Think about your Thanksgiving meals. Notice I said meals, plural. If you're like me, back in my younger days, I had two sets of grandparents that were still alive, well, and kicking and liked to cook. There was this good-looking girl that I dated, and her family always had a Thanksgiving meal. So I had three Thanksgiving meals to go to. And I don't know about you, but the first one was exciting. 
The first one had the the twice-baked potatoes that I loaded up on. And I went into it with a frenzy turkey and ham and celery with pimento cheese on it. That's a southern thing. And I would load up two, three times and then dessert. And then I was like, oh, I've got to go eat it. My grandparents. And so I would force them down. It became no good. What was once such a delicacy now is a burden. I was like, oh, I've got, I've got, because I want to please. I want to please. And so I, I got to eat. And then there came the third one. And I started to not like Thanksgiving. See, some of us are so full on stuff that we have no more room for God. But Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. We're obese on stuff. Second, distraction, antagonist, the second thing I see that's pulling us from ever having this void field, if that's not enough, the second one that I just feel like the Lord has said to me, and, and there again, there's many more that you can come up with. Go home and think on these things. The second one that I come up with is this, is that there are so many false realities of God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled We have so many false realities of God that we want to keep him way further than arm's length away. I don't want that God filling me. We've done such a man-made, flesh-driven way of image We've done such a terrible job of casting the vision, casting the reality of who our God in heaven, who his son Jesus is, and the operation of the Holy Spirit on this earth, that many people, maybe even some in this room, why in the world would I want to be filled by that? And I listed several false realities of God, and the first one is the largest one that is dominating this region. And it goes something like this. You have a desire that you want to be met. You have this, this, this want that you want filled. And since you live down in this region of our country, many of us, second or third thing we do, if we can't meet it ourselves, if no one around us can meet it, then we go to God and we say, hey God, I need this desire met. We have this need, this want to be filled. We have a request and it comes to fruition. Follow me. I didn't say God brought it into fruition. He may have, he may not have met your desire And what happens if we are not very careful? What happens is we start to create an idol 
Not in the God who may have provided, but we create an idol in the way we went about getting the want met. And so the focus goes off not of the provider God. The focus now has become, because I've seen it, the focus has become on what we do. Listen, we're all guilty of it. Some people just call this superstitious. Some of them call it, we're just people of routine. And what we do becomes repeatable. And we do it over and over and over. And the focus is on what we do. And can I tell you what has happened? Because that's been repeated hundreds and hundreds of years as we have created an idol called religion. Several months back, we did a series where we took questions from texts from people. And one of the questions that we didn't answer, but I'm getting ready to answer today was, why do you speak of religion as such a bad thing? It's a great question. And here's my answer. It's because religion focuses solely on what you do and not on what Jesus has done and what the Holy Spirit is doing. Religion. There's a lot of people who have fallen, I will say victim, to the idol of religion. And listen, they love Jesus and they're going to heaven but they're going to have to die before they experience it. And what I want for a large community of people is not to give in to the idol of religion, but I want to give in. I want you to give in to the life of Jesus Christ. Because you will not be able to focus on anything that you have done once you have truly encountered Jesus Christ. There will be nothing routine. There will be no spotlight on what you have done, but there will be a hunger for more of what the Holy Spirit is doing in your presence. We've created a false idol. And there's millions of idols. I just came up with a few. I have here. We have doubts as human beings. We have unanswered prayers. We have a skewed belief. And what has happened is we have created a God of disappointment. Some of us in this very room think that God is simply there to frustrate us. That he's disappointed with us. We've also created a God that is deaf. We've created an idol. And he is a God who is deaf because he surely would have answered my prayer already if he was listening to me. We've created an idol and has made our God a mute God. I don't know how many times I've heard over the last four years. The things that you read about here, 
were for only such a time as this. Scott, you talk about hearing the voice of God. You talk about listening to God speak to you. I've even heard you go as far as saying that Jesus and God are talking about you right now. And they are. My God is not mute. He loves to speak to his children. And then the most dangerous one, I believe, down here in our region, is that we have created an idol of a stingy God. A stingy God. Like God is withholding all of his goodness and blessing from you. No. But what happens immediately is a rebuttal. What are you saying? Is he, are you preaching a prosperity gospel? And let me clarify that. Yes, I am. But as soon as we good old Southern people, and if those of you who aren't from the South, you probably have this figured out because we've just entrenched in this thing and we've done it this way and this way and this way. And what I'm saying is that is not wrong. But what I am saying is God has way more than what we have been experiencing. God is not a stingy God. I will preach the gospel and it is very prosperous. But as soon as you hear me say that word prosperous, our mind immediately goes to you're going to be rich, nice house and a nice car. No, that's not prosperous. You know why the gospel is a message of prosperity? Is because wherever his presence is, there is prosperity. My God is generous with his presence. My God is generous with his favor. Hey guys, I don't know if you keep up with any church statistics. I don't know if you keep up with anything that's going on anywhere. But listen, this, what you're sitting in today, not this building, but I'm talking about this culture and atmosphere. This stuff does not happen everywhere. Church plants have about an 18 month life cycle. And if they can ever get to 100 people, they feel like they've succeeded. This, what you are in, this culture and environment is not created by man. You are sitting in the abundant favor of God. He, for some reason, chose this community to prosper. My God is not stingy. And if you want me to prove that to you, we can jump on an airplane and I will fly you about four hours due south to Haiti. And I will show you that God in the poorest country in all the world can cause you and your family and your friends to prosper. My God is not a stingy God. But listen, I got a list of others, but for time's sake, I want to hurry. He's not angry. He's not deaf. He's not mute. He's not stingy. He's not disappointed in you. He's not out to get you because if he was, there is no way on this earth that I would want that kind of God to ever fill this void. And so question as we hurry, what do you hunger for? Seriously, seriously, put it all aside. You don't have to say it out loud. You don't have to tell your spouse, I'm not giving you a grade on this, but I want you for once maybe in your life to just say what it is that you have been hungering for.
The boyfriends, young ladies, listen to me, are not going to fill your void. The bump in pay, the promotion at your job. I'm going to watch it. I'll speak to some of you privately and tell you what I was getting ready to say. How many likes on your social media account does it take to fill the void? Listen, the void is a reality in life. God created us as spiritual beings to be filled only by him. Please answer the question. And if your answer is not a loving, passionate, radical relationship with God the Father, Jesus Christ his Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is the presence and power of God, then you are missing it. So here comes the Easter message. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness. You know what that means? Listen, that simply means, and I'm going to give it to you right here because that's where I serve, that's where I live. That word righteousness, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for right standing with God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst to be seen as Christ. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for not having their man-made accomplishments seen. But blessed are those who hunger and thirst for being acceptable to God. I just don't see that very often today. So here's a great question. Scott, what about, how am I going to know this time? How am I going to know that it is God that I'm hungering for? How am I going to know it's right standing with him that I'm hungering for this time? Because I've been down this path before. And it led to something man-made or something that I concocted. And I'm starving to death. I have a void. I don't know how to feel it. Here's the answer. When you hunger and thirst for right standing with God, you're going to continue to hunger. It's the way he created you. But you are not going to have any hunger that is motivated by man. You are not going to have a hunger that is motivated by anything that you yourself can concoct. Nothing of man is going to fill your void. But if it is God and longing for right standing with him, you're going to continue to hunger for things, listen, that you have never hungered for before. So what does that look like for you? I have no idea. I cannot tell you the answer to that. I cannot encounter God for you. The only thing that I can do is express to you how good and powerful my God is. I can only express him to you. I cannot encounter him for you. Second Corinthians 5, 21.
God, I don't feel very righteous. Scott, my actions are far from righteous. My past is far from righteous. So this verse that I'm getting ready to read you does not need an explanation. But I will say this, it demands a response. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. It's only in him. Only in him. Are we righteous? Wait a minute. What about what I did? That's religion. What about what I'm doing? Remember, that's religion. If Paul is correct, the only thing that matters, the only thing that matters is that you allow Jesus to do what he has already done in your life. It's because of him and him alone that you are righteous. It is because of Jesus and Jesus only that you can be in right standing with God. It is only because of Jesus And what he did that will ever cause you to hunger in the first place. 